You're listening to Kamamo House, a Honolulu talk story podcast with reflections on identity and culture from a part Hawaiian's perspective. Aloha and welcome or welcome back to the Kamamo House. It's Sean, uh, your host person. Um, thanks for being here whenever and wherever you happen to be. Today, we're going to talk to my friend, or I'm going to, not us. This is not a kako thing. <laughs> this is uh, me and one other person virtually talking to each other thing. So I'm talking to my friend, Brandon Caban, who is in showbiz, who does the films and the theater and the writing. We're going to talk about comedy. We're going to talk about um, his journeys in the continent and here. And we're going to touch a little bit on something that just happened today um, with Paula Funga. And so I'm excited to share this episode with you all. Um, some honest and some hard truths being shared. And that's kind of why I made this podcast in the first place, though, to provide that space. This is Kamamo House. Okay. Okay. Okay, good. There's some so reference I, point. Uh, on my clip, it's going to be 44 <laughs> seconds in. Okay. Cool. All right. Um... Sweet. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on to Kamamo House. Yeah. Can I use, can I use my Kamamo House <laughs> voice? It's like the NPR. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Hello. Yeah, you could. Welcome to yeah. Kamamo House with Sean Chu. As a uh, steel guitar <laughs> plays. It's funny because like that, the only, only the first episode is very much like that. Every other episode since is very like this, which is fine. But um, yeah, I'll get back to that like, monologuing every so often I think so today I think we're just going to talk about like comedy comedy with Caban um so Brandon (laughs) can you how about you introduce yourself I uh to to the listeners tell us a little bit about yourselves uh hello listeners it's it's uh, me Brandon Caban and uh (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because that's the generational thing that all men in my family have had to live with would be people mispronouncing their last names. So my dad would make sure, like, remember, you, you know, make sure you correct them. It's Caban, not Caban. Mm-hmm. So now I just let it play out because it's just kind of, I let someone call me Justin <laughs> for two weeks just because like, oh, this is amusing to me. Let's just see what plays out. Oh my gosh, that is. <laughs> so I let him do Caban. So I'm Brandon Caban. I've written sketches mostly and stuff for Hawaii Comedy Festival. I live in Wahiwa. Uh, and yeah, I do theater every now and then. How do we meet, Sean? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't remember. It might have been through Comedy Fest. Oh, no, I know. Hmm? It's uh... a... <laughs> no, we were at Anna O'Brien's and we went to see Goodfoot. And you were there with Andy Valencia. Whoa. And uh, it's like Goodfoot was jamming, right? <laughs> you know how 
good foot is, right? With Congo drum. I think you said something about how lace. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, how lace like the Congo, eh? <laughs> and I turned and I'm like, okay, okay. Now I know this guy for real. I think we've met before, but that was the first true meeting. What the heck? I don't remember that. We were at Hannah's. I must have just been supporting John. Yeah, because uh, what you call is playing after Goodfoot. The elevation. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So that's one of our first social interactions. Beyond. Yes. But it's probably through yeah. theater in some way. I remember you're, you're a good laugher. So I remember you in the crowd at the Hawaiian Mission House is a tough <laughs> night. Yeah, that was such a good show. So funny. It was fun. <laughs> Everyone who was in it hated it. But I heard I liked about the it. process. Um, <laughs> we don't need to get into that, but <laughs> I mean, we could. Who knows? You know, we could laugh. We could. It's my favorite way to be directors. Like, just do whatever you like, and then I'll tell you if it works or doesn't work. I'm like, great. I'm gonna ride a bike into the stage. <laughs> That's a great bit. Um. So yeah, like, I know you. Where did you go to high school? Uh, my first two years of high school, I went to Marinol, and then my second two years was at Mililani. The first time ever I was in public school, the junior year in high school was a scared. I was so yeah. scared. Wait, you were, you were going yeah. to Marinol up to your sophomore year? No, I went to a Catholic school in Wahiwa from kindergarten to seventh called Our Lady of Sorrow. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I see. Wow, yeah, I, I was in public school for, uh, until third grade. Then it's kind of the inverse of your situation. Then Kamehameha from fourth mm, grade. Yeah. Um, what was that like? <laughs> the... I know, because that was a threat my dad used to give me. Like, you know, if you don't behave, we're going to in public gosh. school. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> um, my sister ended up transferring to public school <laughs> in the eighth grade to Wahiwa Middle. And I started crying. I felt so bad for her. I'm like, oh, my God, I wish it was me. It's so scary there. <laughs> I cried for my sister. Because, you know, um, Lelahua, when they got out of school, they walk in front of Our Lady of Sorrows. And me and my friends used to just play in front of the, um, on the grass yard in front of the church. And we used to play wrestle. <laughs> and the, the high school kids would either tease us or laugh at us. So ever since then, I was like, oh, no, the, the public school. Right. That was your image us. of public school people like, mocking. They just, there's. Yeah. I ended up enjoying yeah. it, yeah. But when I transferred to him, like, oh, these people are much more relaxed. They're not so worried. I remember at Marinol, people were teasing me because I wore my socks too high. Oh. Like, no, you got to wear it around your ankles. I'm like, oh, okay. Private school kids. Yeah. Uppity. City, city people, yeah. right? It's a town and country thing, too, I think, in a very general sense. I'd imagine yeah. Wahiwa um, people are a little, like you said, relaxed. and I don't know. Well, I went to Mililani oh, High School, sir. Just a not little Wahiwa. bit more. Not Lilihua. Yeah, all my, all my friends at Lilihua were either surfing too much or dealing uh, weed. So. <laughs> yes. Different. Yeah, so my mom, my mom lived in Mililani, and that's how I ended up in Mililani, because uh, my parents divorced when I was like 12. I see, I see, I see. And yeah. But I live with my dad. Did you... Um... <laughs> comedy did you did you go in between your mom and dad's house because my parents split up when i was like three so like my childhood it was a lot of like oh. okay moms for half the week and dads for half the week oh no uh, we went every other weekend but that 
joint custody thing was like a huge deal in my house. Like, because you know, they were getting divorced, you know, during middle school when the hormones are like, ah, we're free. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was messy, but no, we went every other week, which is kind of fun because the only time I got sent to detention for showing up to school late because I wanted to turn in a project that was due for mm -hmm. third period. Right, At right. third period, so I skipped my first two periods, <laughs> and I showed up late, and they sent me to detention, and they called my mom, but I don't live with my mom, so I was like, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> and then I just went home after. I don't get no that. There's no consequence. <laughs> no. What? And you're going to bust me for showing up to yeah. school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Isn't that interesting, like, how, um, yeah, some of the disciplinary things, I'm just kind of remember i haven't thought about this since high school about like why you get detention it's like if you're not clean shaven or like your dress code oh, was yeah. not up to snuff or you don't have a belt it's just like at least for kamehameha specifically it's like it's just these remnants of like being a military kind of boarding school right like oh like yeah. i mean some of these kind of things are like valuable in the sense they give you a sense of self-discipline right which is important when you're an adolescent i think but like a lot of it, like especially depending on who's enforcing it, it becomes like, you know, that stereotypical thing. Like I'm thinking about, I forget the guy's name, but like in Wonder Years, the like, the vice principal is like the stereotypical vice principal who's like, why are you, why are you doing this? Why, why are you, why are you looking at me in consternation, detention? You know, getting disciplined for like really stupid things. Yeah, that's how it was at Marinol's, like, right? Tucking your shirt, wear a belt. I think I got scolded once for saying mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. And, yeah, if you got in a fight at Marinol, you'd be either suspended or expelled. Wow. And then it's like, you know, you go to Mililani. <laughs> oh, bruh, scrap, scrap! And, like, the whole student body's rushing to see it. Right, it's a celebratory <laughs> thing. It's celebrated in that system. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Oh, that's so funny because, like contrasting and i'm not saying you know disclaimer you know we're not representing marino or Kamehameha right now in like how we're assessing it which is just ourselves right but it's funny to contrast yeah marino like oh you got in a fight expelled or suspended um in theory i think it's the same thing at Kamehameha. but when i was <laughs> in high school <laughs> for whatever reason my sophomore the mokes were like um started a fight club <laughs> And um, <laughs> I was, when I heard of, of it, I was like, this is so dumb. Like, why would you do that? And then one day I was curious, right? So I went with my friends to one of these like meetings, like in eighth period. <laughs> like, I remember it distinctly. It's like behind uh, Keiku Haupi O Gym. And there's like 20 mokes and like, they're like, oh, bra, go, go, bra, go, bra. And um, it just so happened <laughs> the one day I went to the fight club because I was curious, um, the vice principal showed up. <laughs> And he's like, hey, what's, what's going on here? Um, what was his name? I forget. He was really actually kind of nice, and I see him sometimes. He goes to support arts stuff. Um, anyway, but... Um, that, that's funny because I used to play volleyball. Like, our club volleyball team used to have a lot of um, practices oh, okay. at Keku. So I know the space yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. But <laughs> at Marinol, they did something similar. Like, they had not a fight club, but it's like this one senior, he brought boxing gloves and they used to have like boxing matches at lunch <laughs> on the basketball courts. But if you've seen Marinol, it's right, one and a right, half right. buildings yeah. and the basketball courts right next to it. So I don't exactly. know how they thought yeah, they were going to get away with it. And I, I know your, that campus from doing Shakespeare's rehearsals at Marinol. 
And so, oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. if you if you don't know Marino, like, yeah, it's just open. Like the admin, they just need to walk like two minutes towards their cars and see that yeah. there's high school, there's kid, teenagers with boxing gloves. <laughs> At least there was yeah. safety involved, though. That, that's you good. There's like, I mean, or a technique. Well, kind of. I mean, but, you know, not really. I mean, it was just teenagers swinging wildly <laughs> but they were only they had only one pair of boxing gloves so one person had one glove okay. each yeah no <laughs> one of the teachers ended up seeing him yeah. like hey man stop that yeah. but that was about it never led to anything yeah you can't cut school at marinol either so i never the first time one of my friends at mililani invited yeah. me to cut school at marinol at mililani was very like <gasps> doing it Oh my god, because at Marinol, you either jump onto the freeway or you jump into the old person retirement home right. if you wanted to that, cut those school. Those are your options. Or you invade yeah. um, Punahou. I don't know if that's a thing. You probably can't do that because there's like security. No. I assume. I've never really yeah. been on. I've been on Punahou's campus like once or something. I've been on a few times for like volleyball games. It's a little... Strange. I wanted. I ended up at Marinol because I was trying to get into Punahou in the eighth grade, and I didn't get into Punahou, so I ended up at Marinol. Punahou uses Marinol as its parking <laughs> lot for uh, Punahou Carnival. Okay, that was that was fun. We talked about high school, which is very local, yeah. I guess. Talked about high school for twelve-ish <laughs> minutes. I like that it's quantified. Um, so you were. Yeah. Well, if this was a comedy set, this right, would be right, awful it would be horrible. Already. It's been dead in the water from the beginning. Or we started off kind of strong, but anyway. Yeah. So speaking of comedy sets, you're in New York for a bit, right? You're living there. It, what what was, did you go to New yeah. York for? I went there after high school. I went there to play volleyball because I got recruited for college oh, cool. over I didn't know there. That. So I was in New York City. Yeah, I was in New York City at a place called Hunter College. It's where Vin <laughs> Diesel went to school for a year. Fun fact. And the actress from Scrubs <laughs> and Ellen Barkin. But yeah, so I went to play volleyball. And then I came back when I was 21. I always wanted to act, but it never occurred to me that New York was a place oh, to shit. be for acting so schools. You, so I'm yeah. like, I want to act. And then just had, did not act on that passion because yeah. I wasn't aware yeah. <laughs> that you could learn that in New York. So I came back to UH, and then I went back to New York in like 2014 because like, I'm going right. to be a comedy writer. And then ended up... Uh, not really doing much. Well, I, I ended up finding this place called HB Studio. It was founded in the 50s by Herbert Berkhoff cool. and Uta Hagen. And um, yeah, I, I took an acting class and then I realized in acting class, it was one of my, uh, my acting teachers, like he was telling this other Asian kid, you're like, you know, unfortunately the business it is, they're not going to see you as anything but Asian. Right. So I went, I was like, well, I might as well take a playwriting class because if I'm going to do something, it's going to be yeah. what I want to do. And then, uh, yeah, in playwriting class, one of the cast members from Mad TV was in it, Nelson cool. Lesmo. So I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's the dude from Mad TV. So I wrote a comedic bit, like a play, and then that was my first validation because they're like, you are a funny <laughs> motherfucker, man. I'm like, yes, thank you. Mad TV approved. But he also dropped some knowledge to our, our teaching assistant for the playwriting class. We all thought he was white, but he was Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And Nelson Lesmo, was, when he found that out, was like, oh my God, really? Okay, here's my advice to you. If you go out to audition for anything, never let them know you're Hispanic because that's all, you're gonna, that's all yeah, they're going to see you as. Is. And that was coming from his experience on Mad TV. Like, you know, I think they only hired me to be the Latin guy because I've only done Latin sketches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, like, yeah. how... 
Yeah, the industry is so different now. And that was only 2014, right? And, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. And, it, or, and I was also, like, laughing, too, because, you know, the, some, some people, some of those Boricua people, they, they run that line, right, of, like, are you white? Nah. Or, and then other people yeah. that are Puerto Rican are like, no, you're clearly Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> when, 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 I, when I go up for college and, um, like, immediately after one of the summer winter breaks, I would go back to New York tan. So people would speak to me in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Then as I gradually lose my tan, people would speak to me in Chinese. <laughs> so <laughs> no one ever knew what I was in New York except for, okay, except for, I'm just going to say yeah. this, except for idiosyncratic people. Okay. Right? So one day I was walking my friend's dog and this woman, you know, she was in extra layers and she turned to me. She's like, have you heard the Peep in the Woods song? I'm like, No. It's like, oh, the birds are singing it. I made them sing that. I'm like, oh, how does it go? Like, peep in the woods, peep in the woods, peep in the woods. And then she stopped singing and she just went, you're from Hawaii, aren't you? I was like, oh, what? yeah. How'd you know that? It's like, oh, I had a friend, I had a roommate who lived there. I'm like, oh, okay, bye. Whoa. And then two weeks later, I'm hanging out on a stoop waiting for my girlfriend to come yeah. home. But not in like the creepy <laughs> way. Like I've arranged to meet her. Like she, I, she knows you I'm guys there. were about to break so, up. She's like the relationship was coming to its natural end. So you're desperate, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. I have a bit on that. Remind me to tell you after this. Yeah. So I'm sitting on the stoop and I'm waiting for her to come by. And this dude just walks by and he stops walking. He's like, Hawaii, right? Like, yeah. What? How'd you know? I was like, oh, then he tried to sell me to be a room. Like he needed a room <laughs> place to stay. And I told him I couldn't, but New Yorkers are very pushy if they want something. Mm. So he's like, no, no, we'll do a bunk bed. It'll be great. Like I'll live on the top bunk. You live on the bo- bottom bunk. And we'll do whatever, whatever. Going back to the bit of waiting for yeah, my yeah. girlfriend. She's breaking up yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> you know, the love actually scene with the postcards. Yes, yes, yes. Iconic. I've done that twice in my dating history. In earnest? <laughs> Yes, oh. and they failed both oh, times. Oh fuck! The first one, the first, <laughs> the first one, uh, she wasn't home, so I took the bus to her house. So she wasn't home, so I just left. <laughs> and I told her about it, and she, <laughs> and then the second, <laughs> the second time I did it, I did my bit <laughs> in New York, and then I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> oh, these movies are so stupid. Oh man, dude, you know, and I'm stupid. I was just thinking about how um, this morning I'm so li- I'm really bad at like eating, which is a really basic function of humanity, right? Like, but like I get so focused on like just looking at social media or like watching a movie or whatever, just dicking around. But like this morning, I made a good breakfast. I made some Portuguese sausage and eggs and rice. Well, good, quote unquote. And then I was just thinking, like, I had a whole plate full of. One Portuguese sausage, the whole one, because I cooked the whole thing, and like four eggs and some brown rice with garlic, which is sort of healthy brown rice. But I was looking at my plate, and as, as I was pouring my iced coffee, and I was like, dude, this is so fucking like American. Like, this is just like, <laughs> what, where, where did I get the idea that this is breakfast? You know, if I had, um, if I was less lazy and I really could eat anything I wanted for breakfast, I would eat like a Japanese breakfast, like fish, you know, mm, like wachazuke, yeah. rice, you know, yeah. like that just sounds really good and chill and a great way to start the morning. But um, I'm slowly realizing how, um, 
how much I've been, yeah, like, like your Love Actually story, like, there's small things that, like, kind of, like, my brain kind of functions in the shadow of uh, uh, the media. It's very interesting. Um, girlfriends, Love Actually, New York, New York. New York. So you wanted, you wanted to be an actor. Do you still want to be an actor? Yeah, I mean, I pursue that. I still do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've been on plays. I've done the five O thing. It's getting a little depressing because uh, I have never met my agent face to face. So when I signed up with her, she was very small, but now she's blown up, and she has like Aquaman boy and cool, cool, cool. Uh, Russell Satelle and yeah. like Chad Owens. So I don't think I'm gonna get any play on it, <laughs> and I don't think. In my mind, I, I do drama, but I don't think anyone else is, sees me as that. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Is it, so I'd rather just do my own yeah. thing. You know, it's, I'll make what I'll, whatever I Is your agent in L.A. Or, or New York? or? No, she's oh, here. Okay. Comedy. I should have stayed. Like, I, I came back. Well, I came back to Hawaii my, for, after my second trip in New York to, to help take care of my grandfather because he was terminally ill. Yeah. But also because, like, no, I think I need stage experience. I need to get some stage experience. So I left uh, New York with its abundance of stages to come get stage exposure <laughs> in Hawaii with its four. When was the first time you did something like film or theater? A show? Um, as me performing or as me or in general? I think just, just in general. Like, of, how did you get into it? Uh, in the fourth grade, I was Jesus of Nazareth oh. in the Stations of the Cross. Oh. Uh, my dad built me a cross and everything. Wow. Oh, that's cool. I've never, <laughs> uh, I've never seen that enacted. I've, I've read about that kind of the Stations thing, though. Right. Well, our church, we went to school every Wednesday at um, Our Lady mm-hmm. of Sorrows. So, you know, in our church, there's like uh, Stations of the Cross murals yeah. painted around. So you do it like once a year. And uh, yeah, they think it's a great idea to have children reenact you know, a form of Roman torture. Right, right. The last, <laughs> basically the last living hours of <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> yes. So I was Jesus in the fourth okay. grade. And then um, for film, my neighbor growing up, she's a, a line producer slash production manager cool. slash UPM. She was like, yeah, if you ever want to like work in film, let me know. So I hopped on and my first ever experience was on Nicki Minaj's Starships music video. Oh, wow. I spent three hours looking for Dasani water because Nicki Minaj only drinks Dasani wow. water. <laughs> None of the 7-Elevens on East Side by Kualo Ranch carried Dasani. Oh, shit. So you had to... Where did you find it then? I think I might have to go on the yeah. Woodward Mall. Wow. Yeah. Where were you guys filming at Kualo? At Kualo Ranch, yeah. So that was my first start of it. And then once you kind of do it, and you do a good enough job, which I didn't do, but my connection was very high yeah, up yeah, yeah. in the industry. <laughs> so once you have uh, connect well, or if you you know do well, then you just keep getting called back for stuff. So it was Nicki Minaj, and then on the set of Godzilla, I was a pig wrangler. Uh-huh. Okay. So what you what I did for two days was um, we they trained these special pigs from L.A. to stay, and they flew them in from L.A. and. Uh, you know, animal cruelty laws if pigs are exposed to too much element, so I had to stand with an umbrella over the pig <laughs> to shade them. And as soon as they say action, you put down the umbrella and you run off. Okay, cut, come back on, uh, hold up an umbrella. 
and that was what I did for two days. Wait, okay, well, <laughs> let's track back. Like, there's animal cruelty laws, which are good. I understand. Like, uh, uh, we want to treat our animal friends well. Um, <laughs> explain to me why? Why did you do? Is it are pigs sensitive? To, I don't know anything about pigs. Is is it? Uh, yeah, they sunburn easily, and because you know humans are bipedal, the sun doesn't affect us as much because the sun's coming on our heads. But animals with four legs, you know, there's more sun exposure. Okay, I see. For their back, and they had to. But yeah, they also don't have some kind of, I don't know. And they had to stay in a like a small confined, a kind of a confined area, right, without being able to graze yeah. and shade themselves, kind of thing. Yes. So we're shooting it on the beach. Okay, and, um, that makes sense. They were supposed to be pigs in cages. It was like, you know, you're offering Godzilla pigs. Oh, okay, I see. So these pigs were in individual cages, yeah. and then they cut it from the movie. It wasn't even in it. <laughs> Wild. What an industry. So many resources. So much gone in the trash can. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Tell, let's talk about some sketch and local humor and stuff. Like, wh what are your... You've done stuff with... We've both done stuff with Hawaii Comedy Festival. And uh, mm -hmm. have, it, have you done stand-up before? I've done one open mic. Okay, right. And then, it, yeah, stand-up, I love watching it. It's yeah. a big influence on me. But uh, performing, it's a little different. I, I don't have a strong enough opinion to say confidently... Yeah. You know, yeah. I had two minutes of material and my set went five. So I'm like, I could improvise. And then just realizing, like, it's just me and a microphone. And like, look, there you yeah. are. And there you are. And oh, my gosh, this is the sound of my voice. I'm hearing my voice. So I kind of, yeah. I keep telling myself to go back into it. But, you know, with COVID, eh. But uh, it's in bars. That's where you work your craft, right? Yeah. It's in bars and you know, I don't know. I don't like staying up too late or going to bars. Right, right, right. Well, maybe we'll make like a like a hipster kind of <laughs> stand-up night where it's like just we just drink chai tea and like listen to our friends in like nice sofas tell us funny jokes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, yes, I've done sketches, and I think growing up in Hawaii, you know, there's a very rich history in sketch comedy with Booga Booga. Yep. And Frank DeLima and rap. And that's how I got my exposure to it was uh, the best of DeLima too. It was, um, you know, the video from like 1990. That was one of the first things I watched with my family. Is that the live tape of his show with the live band? That's what I remember. No, this one is the, it's a filmed one where it's sketches filmed oh, separately. Oh, I've only Glenn seen Yashiro. clips of that. With, and isn't there a yeah. bit with Larry Price? Yes. Okay, see, I've seen a clip of that, yeah. The Howley's Anonymous. Yeah, yes. yes. Brilliant. Do you know the full sketch? No, I, I, I've only seen a clip like once. I remember loving it. Oh, but. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's Frank DeLima dressed up as a local person going on the beach. And, you know, he's a songster. So he's like, the song, you don't know the song? No, I don't remember. Oh, it's a, the sketch starts with like, Caucasians are strange people. <laughs> Caucasians are strange, strange people. Like I'm saying, they like to come, it's like they come from another planet. Their skin turns red when they try to tan it. <laughs> they have lots of friends and lots of money. They think Andy Booma tie is funny. <laughs> and he turned to like a Larry Price or uh, Dan, one of the, I think it was Dan Cook, uh -huh. one of the news anchors. Like, Excuse me, sir. 
this was a Japanese guy. He's like, excuse me, sir, where did you go to high school? And the Japanese guy was like, Punaho. And frankly, Lima would turn to the camera, Caucasian. <laughs> and then continue with the song. <laughs> and then after he gathers up enough Caucasian people, they go to the Howley's Anonymous meeting with Larry Price. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That is... It's a kind of a mean song. I'm watching it now. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because, um, I mean, like, I mean, I was just impressed, like, listening to the lyrics, like, how... I mean, he's had a huge influence. I grew up listening to... What is it? The... Um, shucks. The Hawaiian something. I forget. There's a cassette tape. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, Glenn Mishiro, iconic. Um, he's so good at writing songs like musical send up yeah. like parodies He's like local weird owl right kind of um yeah but yeah like the howley thing is um you ever the, people um from time to time there's this one video that i see of of dr trask kaunani k trask um responding to oh, that, yeah. you know, that, the caller one yeah. and then she's like yeah. saying like what the caller doesn't understand about the use of the word haole and uh, yada 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 and I don't I, I appreciate and I don't mean any disrespect to Dr. Trask um, in all her scholarship and everything she's done for the um, Hawaiian community um, but like when people engage in that conversation nowadays you know that film was that, that video was from like 93 or something or 90, early mm -hmm. 90s. And at the time, I would imagine, like, you know, feeling a lot of strong feelings if I was in her shoes or anyone's shoes that is Hawaiian, right? But now, nowadays, I, I, I think back on, like, different incidents like that or, like, you know, like, people got mad about uh, Seth MacFarlane, right? And the, there's a sketch, right, about Hawaii, someone, like, beating up a Haole person. I think they, made, they referenced that in an episode of Family Guy. Oh, I've never because seen it that was one. like in the news where someone was like attacked or something like or there's some kind of battery. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it's it. People try to defend making fun of people that are holly um, and say it's like not pejorative or like racist. And I would say like, yeah, maybe it's not racist all the time, but it's definitely racially charged. I think it's. Um, I don't, this is my opinion, but I, I don't think it's intellectually honest to try to defend the use of the term just based on, you know, this, this term originally and its original intent means a foreigner, right? Kind of like Malihini or whatever in the language. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, um, like, yeah, like you were saying, I, I could imagine the sketch at, uh, nowadays kind of being like, ugh, a little bit. Yeah. And I, I guess I feel I strongly know. about that just because one of my close friends from Kamehameha, he's, he's like half Norwegian, but he's also Hawaiian Chinese, uh -huh. but he was teased a lot, you know, he just looks howly, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of, for me, um, you know, you can make white jokes because there's no history of racism behind it, right? It's like if a white person were to tease, make a joke about Filipinos, it'd be racist because there's a history of making those jokes and then passing legislation based on those stereotypes that you're making. So, I see. um, yeah, I, 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 like, I don't you cause I don't like offending people, but I don't mind it in comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fine to me. Depend. Like you can't punch 
downwards. You have to punch up. So white people can't make. Right <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. But, I didn't. Know. I never made that kind of connection of of someone like who's white, right? And then like making these generalizations, and then connecting that to like there's a history of using those generalizations from people from that ethnic group or like whatever you know huh. yeah so you know when that bit of like well how come you always keep bringing up the race card it's like no 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 everyone who came into this country did not have a problem with race like this was government issued race card like we just wanted to go to the pool but you said no you can't go to the pool because you know melanin right, 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 right. this is your race card and now they're trying to do away with them like nah, we stamped that race card <laughs> It's valid. It doesn't expire. Yeah, but that's a strong opinion. I don't know if I I'd, I'd work it out a little bit more before I ever thought. This is just us talking, listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's direct, complex. Sean, what's your email? Direct all complaints. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Chu at Hawaii.edu. <laughs> yeah. It, didn't you get Didn't you get a little flack for using the word haole in a play once? Oh, I don't know. Did well, I? I? Oh, I'm gonna. Didn't you? I feel like you talked to me about that. You know, we don't want to step on toes here, but didn't like blah, 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 of Hawaii, like you entered that annual play reading competition and didn't you get flack? You were telling me, didn't you get flack or am I just making this up? Because they said Haole was a racist word. Oh, I think, are you talking about like the, one of my, because there was one year I submitted a short one act, which was like a Hawaiian soap opera a fictional Hawaiian soap opera. Yeah. And then there might have been like some use of the word Howley or whatever. There's like a Howley joke right. or something. Yes. And then for for these play readings, like people adjudicate them, right? And then they give feedback. It might have that might be what you're talking about, right? Um Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall. That sounds familiar. My memory is also like shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised because um and again, I don't mean this offensively or like with any like bitterness, but all those adjudicators are Holly. <laughs> yeah. The play builders of Hawaii Festival yeah, adjudicated yeah, yeah. by the people from the mainland. It's funny that year you got, you know, the adjudicators made a comment on your word Holly. The winning play was about local stereotypes, right? Like the, the, the. Uh, <laughs> Right, like the horny Hawaiian daughters and the loud local neighbors that move into Kahala and wow, I don't remember all the details. I just remember having a difficult time at parts watching it. It was overall like an okay experience. I know other people yeah. did not like. Well, we did talk about that about that play. Yeah, I read it, and then because yeah, the director asked me if I wanted to do it, and I read it. I'm like, no. Yeah, and then it you know it won. <laughs> it did win. <clears throat> um. <laughs> talking about the theater <laughs> it's interesting because like part of that dynamic is um it's it's one of those things where you know you know this like theater historically has been like a thing where people like with more you know money can kind of go to the theater right kind of thing in some ways and yeah so like a lot of people in the community that do or run or participate in the theater tend to be like holly or from the mainland not necessarily holly but it's just you know local people 
tend to right like listen to rap or go to Frank the Lima show like that's their theater um so i like i understand like people like i'm kind of middle of the road too like kind of like switzerland neutral or whatever is it switzerland is that the correct uh, reference <laughs> i don't know the swiss it's one of the nordic countries. yeah one of the nordic I'm pretty countries. sure it's yeah but um like i understand people's frustration with representation and like and you know i've talked with tina about you know these kind of things before right Mm-hmm. about the theater here and its leadership. But the reality is um, the people that are in those positions are really invested in the theater. Um, and it just so happens, I think, like, it's changing now, right? Like, we were talking about, sorry, I keep jumping, but, like, earlier about, like, that play playwright um, uh, group you're part of. Like, nowadays, it's so different, like, there's so many opportunities for BIPOC writers, actors, creatives, that people are, um, we don't have to, we still need to kind of fight for, but like there's so many more opportunities because those with more power, like they have to listen <laughs> kind of thing. It's like, there's not an option, but um, yeah, I think we're just in a transition time. So it'll get better. I. I'm worried that diversity is still a trend for them. You know, the people in power, they're doing it because, you know, we made enough noise by now, but I think they're just doing it not because they believe in it, but because they're trying to just make mm. this portion of the population like sh- a piece, you know? Um, I don't know though, because like fundamentally, right? Theater and film, it's always been kind of exclusive. I'm, I'm terrible with words. Exclusive. It's been, it's been very exclusive. I was going to try and extend my reach on exclusive, some exclusatory or something like that. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. The, I, yeah. I, I do that all the time. I said, yeah, so let's just stop. It. So if something is fundamentally, I'm just going to say racist because Hollywood, I'm just going to use Hollywood as an example, right? Mm-hmm. Hollywood has been fundamentally racist. If it's fundamentally built into that system, is it possible to change it if it's fundamentally, you know, like humans fundamentally, we breathe. How do you breathe if you're like, how do you exist as a human without breathing? Yeah. Kind of thing. You know? So I don't know. I guess the best thing to do is just keep putting out work and then don't, you know, whatever. Just keep putting out your work and then they're either going to accept it or they won't. Right. Right. And I think that's like, at least for me, where I'm at, I think that's what is important for us to do. You know, I'm not a politician i'm interested in politics like maybe if i got into that i i could like affect more change or you know but yeah. you know after you remember when they did the that bollywood midsummer night stream at uh and there's a lot of controversy yes. in the community about that for multiple reasons after i went to like um they had a meeting with the cast and creative team for the uh-huh. concerned public Right. Um, and I attended because Tina was concerned um, and I was concerned because I, you know, Tina's concerned and other people are concerned. So I'm like, what's happening in the community? I wasn't sure what to think either way. Right. And I went there. I listened to people talk. And at the end, my thing was like. The solution to all of this is like people are going to do whatever they're going to do regardless. Right. Like people like. For example, like the professors at UH are hired to do things kind of like that, you know, 
whether you agree with it or not, or whether you think they're the best suited for whatever, they're kind of being paid to kind of facilitate things like that because it's an educational institution. Um, you can change who teaches there, right? Or ask them to change whatever. But my thing was like, well, if you have a problem with it, just do your own thing. I think what would benefit this community, what would benefit like the world is what's been happening. What I was just talking about is like more BIPOC people are creating stuff. If you don't want <laughs> Howley people <laughs> doing like whatever, then just do your own shit, right? I think there just needs to be more brown directors and writers and that's what's happening. And I think they're out there. I think it's just the avenue for being seen on a wider scale is what the problem is, right? So right. there's a lot of work out there, but if it's being produced in, uh, how many seats does UH hold? Like Kennedy holds yeah, hundreds. Like 5,000, so hundreds of people, right? It's like, you know, that's, you know, if you want to be seen, that's the place to be seen. But like we're doing stuff in, you know, small group theaters like Arts and Marks or right, Kumu. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I see. But they were going to do it. From my understanding with that meeting, it sounded like Tina was venting to me about it. It sounded like they were just going to do it no matter what the com- no matter what the community input was going to be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but that's right. just the way it is, yeah. unfortunately. Right. And, you know, that's why people like Tina keep, you know, advocating and fighting and should keep tabs on things. See, the other, th- the other part of that specific circumstance, though, you know, is just, like, some of the things that happened in rehearsal that I heard about, again, this is all secondhand, and I don't mean any of this, like, in a mean way, but it, I think, you know, uh, by just us talking about it, <laughs> it's funny, I didn't plan this, but I think <laughs> we don't talk about, episode, no one's talking right? about <laughs> these things, right? Yeah, they have a comedy yeah. episode. Um, but just talking about it, I think, is a good step, because we're not really talking about it but i think that well let's uh segue into some comedy i used to say segue yeah. <laughs> for like years i was saying segue and people thought i was being ironic but <laughs> i really thought it was segue yeah. until it was recently like in april but uh yeah. that's how i got into comedy is like well that seems like the back door in for performers of color is to do comedy because comedy just seems a little bit more open yeah uh racially and socioeconomically yeah so that's how i got into comedy or how I decided to pursue comedy more than I would with um, straight plays. I'm also short, so I think, you know, if you're doing a straight play, you need a tall leading man <laughs> or a feature. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tom Cruise is kind of short. Tom Cruise is short. I love it when short people succeed. <laughs> that used to be the trend, like Al, like Al Pacino's 5'6", right? Robert De Niro's all short, but now it's all like Chris Hemsworth buff dudes. Right, 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 yeah. Gods among men. Um, okay, well, I have I have to say one more thing because <laughs> I want to tie up what I was just going on a tangent about. <laughs> is part of the that specific instance at UH, from what I understand, you know, some some people were saying, well, why aren't the South Asian people being the leads, right? Why are there so many white people in the leads? This is a universal casting issue kind of thing. And maybe this is more of a continent kind of thing than here um, or, or whatever. Like, you know, like people are being racist in the continent. 
at UH, it's an educational institution. And the people that were South Asian in that production were, to my understanding, dancers, right? Not actors. The people that were leads uh -huh. in that show were acting majors. And you can fuss right. about that all you want because it's a Bollywood show or whatever. But at the end of, for me, the co-director, Sai, was, or Sai, I, I, sorry, I don't know her name, but um, she's, she's Indian. She co-choreographed the show, co-directed it. And, uh -huh. you know, anyway, I'm going to stop talking about that. Issues in yeah. the community. And now <laughs> let's talk about, like, what do you, what do you hope for the, the, um, the, the community here? Like, what do you, you want to see in com comedy in Hawaii, Brandon? I don't know. Comedy is a little bit insular. You know, it's so focused on getting out your own comic perspective, persona. Comedy is like it's moved entirely to Instagram. I have no idea how to work that. Mm -hmm. So I've given up on island acceptance on that. Like, it's just not going to happen for me. Uh, I don't know where I want comedy to go. I mean, comedy's. I think it's fine right now as it is because Hawaii has its kind of its own scene, right? It has its own humor. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind maybe getting more visible products out there that's not Instagram, like movies and stuff like that. But um, I don't know what comedy... I mean, comedy's going to exist in Hawaii no matter what. So yeah. I don't know. I want me to be seen in the comedic scene in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As like a performer, writer, all of the above? I don't know. Just whatever. I've uh, There's this one quote, you know, Jiro Dreams of Sushi? That one yes, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it, yeah. Oh, there's this one quote where uh, they were, right, it's a dynamic between Jiro and his son, and they were saying Jiro's son has to be twice as good just to be seen as equal. Mm. Mm -mm. So for me, you know, being a performer of color, like, all right, I got to do everything twice as good just to be seen as equal. So I don't, I've been, yeah, trying to take more control of everything, like writing and learning how to direct. And yeah. if someone's better than me in performing, I'm going to cast that person as that person, yeah. right? If I feel like someone's just, really for the part than just cast the part i don't know you want to service other people that i think that's what i've been doing i've just been writing things for my friends who i think will be good in a role cool 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 yeah i don't know that's awesome that i don't know that's makes me feel like i need to up my game a lot the feeling of i need to do twice as hard to be Aren't you shut up, man? Aren't you recording a podcast and you're on <laughs> oh, HTY? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> improv HI. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I got it's like it. Also, I'm a little bit of a control freak, so I recently wrote a sketch for Manoa Valley Theater for their fundraiser gala. That's right. Thing. That's right. Good. Uh, yeah, except I saw the preview and they cut my visual punchline and my closing punchline and then they kind of reworked the beginning they they misrepresented my setup so you know in comedy you want to set it up clearly because all your other jokes go off of that setup so yeah. it's i wrote a musical parody because right, right, right. i'm kind of good at writing musical parodies i'm just gonna toot my horn <laughs> but uh so i wrote the musical parody but for my setup was it's coming like all right this the premise is these actors they say thank you to the camera they're not pleased with it because, you know, they're community musical theater people. So they like, okay, let's sing songs about it. Let's go, let's go, yay. And it's, it comes from a place of positivity, yeah. which I think comedy, it, it works pretty good if you come from that place. But it was reworked for the premise where it felt like these actors were pouting. So it's like, yeah, thank you. Why are we even here? I don't know. Maybe we should sing some songs. And it's like, it, it 
the songs work on their own, but if, if you wanted to, I wanted it to come together a little bit more cleanly and it got muddied a little bit. So I watched it and uh, yeah, they took away my visual punch and my button punch. And I was like, all right, I'm going to have to start learning how to direct because I don't know. I'm getting pretty pissed about this. What, did, what was the punch line? Punch lines. Um, so the visual punch line, I, was, I did a um, parody on My Girl. Okay. So like, but um, it was uh, how much is six feet away. So it was like, keep your distance. That's six feet away. But it's hard to know how far is that space. <laughs> I guess you say what is six feet anyway. It's Dan Connell. Dan Connell. Dan Connell. <laughs> But it was supposed to be, imagine Dan Connell, Connell, lying down. So, you know, you put, you, right. and then that's your visual punch, right, right. right? You like walk up to Dan, like, oh, that's six feet. Yep. But I get it for safety purposes. Maybe they had to cut that visual punchline. So it, it just ends at, um, imagine Dan Connell, that's him. And then it goes into the next song that I wrote. So I was like, oh, I really wanted that visual punchline. Like him lying down in between two people. Yeah. To visualize the space. I, I mean, it could work, whatever. It's just the way I want it. And then I did want a little bit of a punchline at the close it out, and they, you know, they cut it, and it's fine. Yeah. But it's also, it was filmed by RKT Media. I don't know. I don't think Ryan Kalei Suji or Yunji Denise is going to listen to this. So, <laughs> They're a marketing company. What's a marketing company doing filming comedy? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. That's, uh, wow. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see Dan Connor lying down to indicate six feet of space, but uh, yeah, but it kind of works in another way. They we work, they worked around it. I don't want to spoil it. You're gonna have to watch Manoa Valley's thing. It's on the twentieth, but I mean, does Manoa Valley really need our donations? <laughs> you know, like Hawaiian Airlines donating one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year is like well, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> this podcast we're going all over the place talking about. All these we things. might have to do it again because uh, you know how I'm recording in my phone uh-huh. separately. Yeah. It's just a lot of dead space silence whenever you talk. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, so you know, just warning you. We could do it again. We could do it again. That's why they have take twos. Yeah. <coughs> Go watch the Manoa Marque, right? Is it called? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> See, when I wrote it, it was supposed to close the show, but this was before they had Jake Shimabukuro and Amy Nailee, so I don't know where this is going to be placed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you have a sketch, and that's great. Support support your boy. Yeah, no, don't. I, I, I don't want to be associated. I hope they don't credit me. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm afraid it's, the, it's not going to land. So I like, don't take my name off it, please. Not, I don't have anything against the director. She's a nice person, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know, whatever restrictions that Corona COVID is having on comedy and the way I wrote it, at least. Yeah. I get it. But no, don't. Yeah. I don't want to be so, I didn't write that. It's interesting, the relationship between a writer and a director, right? <clears throat> um, yesterday, I've been, um, every Saturday, uh, this Last Saturday, yesterday, and next week, I'm doing a workshop with um, high schoolers talking about oh. writing and the creative process and, like, what my experience, basically. Um, right. And I, t- I went on a huge, like, tangent talking, or not tangent, I just, like, talked a long time because I do that because I'm an actor and actors like to listen to themselves, right? And I was talking about how 
when you enter the space as a writer, if you so choose, if they so choose to be a playwright, right? When you're by yourself writing, you have a relationship that's like just one on one with your script. Once like uh, it gets like greenlit or whatever, or someone chooses to produce it, it immediately enters into a relationship with like a bunch of other people with like the producing theater who accepted it. Right. right. The director, the people that are going to act out your words and say it and the sound designer, set designer, blah, 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 blah. Right. All these people are interacting. And at that point, while you have control, right, like you should ultimately be like checked in with to like alter things or whatever. Um, all these other people do the work um, collaborating with you and interpreting your words, right? right? Kind of thing. But then it gets it gets fuzzy, and I don't know exactly like what the parameters are for that, right? The writer yeah. and the director going back and forth, kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it. I'm not like a, a lot of you know a lot of my collaboration has been through film and stuff. So I get it's a collaborative medium. Like even theater is a collaborative medium. I've um, you know I've rewritten lines depending on who gets cast, just because it sounds better written in my head but when this actor or actress says it it just doesn't work so you know i don't mind them improvising their way to the lines but i don't know man joke setups are pretty important i don't right like, you know right but yeah and it's also did no they... i mean i also kind of was like you know it's yours now do whatever yeah, you want yeah, with yeah. it so i can't be blamed right 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 so and then that's where it becomes a thing where like and again not not aiming um like bad vibes towards um this marketing group or manoa valley theater at all it's just in it's just a thing where it's like if you're directing if you write comedy and it's like being directed by people that maybe do other things right and it that applies to anything that could just be like if you know say you wrote a screenplay and you're asking me for whatever reason to do um I don't know, horror or scary film. I don't even want to do anything remotely scary. So it's just like, why would you ask Sean to do that? Right. Um, it's just a matter of like fit and like what's, what's the quote unquote best things. But again, like, you know, like the, we're living in during a pandemic and, you know, I think MVT is doing a great job of like trying to stay active in the community. All our theaters, I think, are doing something which is great. And they're doing it like with their interviews and they're now they're organizing all these things. All these people are contributing their time and um, art to support this theater, right? So, yeah. Um, no, I had a thought. I had a thought on it, but it's gone. Huh? Well, Damn rest it. in peace, thought. Yeah, let's leave that. Okay, so we wanted to talk originally. Didn't we like we have to talk about the Paula Fuga video? Yeah, I was just gonna say that. We yeah. just went an hour yeah, yeah. <laughs> without mentioning. Yeah, no, it. that's fine. Yeah. Okay, you want to lead into it because you're the one. I wouldn't have been aware if you didn't post it. Okay, yeah, sure. So, like, by the time you listen to this, you'll probably be aware of it, and there'll be probably some <laughs> action being done. But um, <laughs> no, maybe I should publish this today. <laughs> I should because it will promote your show. Um, but slick. Oh god. But I don't know. Well, well, we have to like approve it first, and you know, you tell me what you don't want in this. So, um, but. Oh, really? Yeah, like, today, hot off the presses, um, Paula Funga, there's a video that I saw this morning, my friend reposted, where she's playing music for Island 98.5, because they're doing, like, a Thanksgiving, like, fundraiser for the Hawaii Food Bank, um, and she 
she talks about how like she feels very strongly about the the effort because she used to be homeless, which I didn't know. And, you know, she was like, I used to eat out of a trash can. Um, homeboys who are the DJs or whatever, decide some of them decide to make a joke out of that. Um, and she rolls with the punches for a little bit. But after like a minute or so, she gets and she strikes back, which is cool. She's kind of spars with them and um, yeah. tries to defend herself. But she gets so uncomfortable. She decides just not to play music. Yeah. And um, it's just really upsetting. And yeah. What, you, so you heard about it from after I posted it. Yeah, I watched the video. Yeah. And uh, I get like that kind of humor. It felt very New Yorkish to me. You know, it, it's okay if you're messing around with your friends. Yeah. And you're teasing and just joking around like, oh, what'd you, did you put your, this is, I think his punchline was a, his teasing bit was, yeah. Oh, did you put a, did you put the food on the plate first before you ate all that trash? Yeah. That kind of where if you're in a garage messing around with your friends, that's a, maybe it's an appropriate joke. But if you're saying that to someone who was homeless on the live streaming channel about feeding the homeless, it's the wrong place, right? Right. It's kind of talking about punching. You're punching down at the homeless. It's just never going to work comedically. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I knew I found this out in college. So uh, in 2012, um, we were doing oral history projects or something like that. And someone interviewed Paula Fuga. So I found out she was homeless in 2012. And we are, our class watched this video. You could look it up on YouTube. It's called Waimanalo Eviction Trailer. Mm-hmm. So in 1985, um, a group of uh, houseless people in Hawaii, they, were, they built, what is the Hawaiian thatch roof? Like a, what is the a hale, right? Yeah, they built a hale on the Waimanalo beach. And they were getting, the video starts with the, um, the police showing up in a paddy wagon and just cuffing people and evicting them. Wow. And it, it re, it's really like there's this one moment where this little girl crosses the line, like the the established picket line or whatever, yeah. gets up in a cop's face and like, hey, where are we going to go? We cannot just live on the street. What are we going to do? Set up a tent in your backyard. We know more houses. And this cop kind of starts breaking. But if you watch that clip, you'll see Paula Fuga standing right next to this little girl as a kid, mm-hmm. completely traumatized. And as this video progresses and you see more and more people getting arrested she always kind of she's in there yeah. like sobbing screaming the same kind of thing so oh my god it also helps to know who you are having in your studio right and do a little bit of research right, right, right. i do what the video is is really traumatic that stayed with me since like 2012 that video yeah and just today i was able to find it on youtube again but um yeah small disclaimer Brandon heard from a classmate that Paula Funga is in the video that is mentioned. But we're not 100% sure if it is her or not. If you do want to get a sense of the situation with housing, houselessness, homelessness in Hawaii, we do highly recommend watching this video, though. That guy, uh, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if anything's really going to happen to yeah. that. Someone started a... Radio DJs don't have a crowd. Mm. to bounce their eyes. So, you know, they wouldn't know how to work it. They just say things in a, in a echo that's, chamber. That's fair. That's a good point. But, you know, I think maybe they'll be in trouble because I think Passion Santos posting. Oh, yeah. And, People you know, are going to are posting and it's going to keep going. Yeah. Someone started a change.org yeah. petition about... Yeah. Like, but, um, yeah, who knows? It might so, not yeah, go it anywhere. It was a messed up situation. But I, I feel, yeah, that something should be done. At the very least... 
my friend was saying like they should give a public apology like a proper one right because yeah yeah there's so much pressure and i understand like right we both know like you know improv it's like kind of crazy world and anything live is like there's a lot of pressure and you know you and and the pressure of the comedian to to please the audience right and to like to 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 uh and also the corporate kind of drive to like keep up ratings and keep things interesting and one way to do that like in theater right or any film narrative thing is like you add some conflict so you can say kind of like more punchy things like when I'm drunk, wait, I'll say kind of like more <laughs> punchy things, but it's a thing of yeah, like, I don't also- know when Sean gets drunk, he's a huge, just racist, sexual deviant. It's awful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah right. No, right. Right. No, no. You're not like that. When you're anyway. Yeah. You gotta read the room. Like you're, you're talking about it. You gotta understand like, and that's, that's a great yeah. point that you said, like, because there's no like feedback, right? Like if you're just kind of talking to the air with two other people, in a radio station, then yeah. you're, you're kind of, it's kind of insulated and there's a lack of the vibe of like a stand-up comic, right? Would have yeah. and understand that relationship with the audience. It's different. Yeah. It's a different relationship with the audience when you're a radio DJ. But um, yeah, I hope something happens. And he also should have done his research and not said it or even, okay, so he said it, but what bothered me about it was when she got mad and walked off, what you you saw her getting visibly upset? Oh yeah, really hurt. Yeah, and they just kept promoting the show. Yeah, it should have like, stopped. Like she wasn't there. Like oh, so this is a ninety-four. You know the radio spiels. At least they could have just stopped that. I don't know. They're supposed to stay six feet away, but if like slick rig or something like stopped the show, walked up to her, and save her distance, or even like and you know I'm so sorry, la 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 la, instead of just like. Oh shit! Let's just uh, yeah continue the show. Then it would have been something—a learning moment, something. Yeah. But they didn't handle that with grace. Yeah. And it's really a, that uh, a joke about the homeless and being hungry on a food drive—the appropriate place to do that joke. Yeah, it is not. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. You know, I think I saw a clip of. I don't think it was that one you're describing, but I distinctly remember video from that time period, right? When there was a lot of things happening in Waimanalo and like people being evicted um, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, and knowing just a little bit from social media, right? About her, about like her relationship with her father, about her being like, Samoan, but not having a strong, I think, relationship with that part of her family or, or coming into her own as an adult more. And like knowing yeah. now, like what you're just describing about and what she shared on air <laughs> in a, the most like, Ugh, like probably one yeah. of the worst ways to share that. Right. Um, about having a, a life being houseless. It's just like, wow, like what a journey, what a what a what a life to live, you know, to come from, to come from less and like the, um, that, yeah, that just that kind of world and like where she's at now, um, like bringing so much like light and love to people around the world, you know, like that's something to, to celebrate. Um, it's rough. It's rough. The, the, the art, it's funny. Cause like being an artist, People can be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Sean, 
does the thing where he cries like on the stage or you know like brandon does a thing where he types a funny joke and like wow they did a lot of work quote unquote right but it's it's a lot sometimes it can be taxing you know and it's not like like you said like knowing your guests just a simple thing like that i think is just as an artist it's a basic thing to do like you just empathize with people and we yeah. we manifest or craft things differently based on if we're doing something dramatic or comedic right like that explores the human condition and it's not always easy you know i could see myself being in that guy's shoes um that made that inappropriate comment like in high school <laughs> you know but like i could have been there we all could have been there and it's a rough spot to be in but like we don't need to stay there we we all yeah. can grow as artists and i think we all need to because we need to keep up with the quote-unquote needs that the world has right and fulfill our role that i see ourselves as an artist to be a mirror up to society to ask questions to challenge things to bring comfort or bring light to injustice etc cetera, etc cetera. okay i'm off my soapbox now this is supposed to be about brandon and comedy but <laughs> uh wait i'm waiting for you to get down from your soapbox is kind of high and okay, <laughs> yeah i was in the clouds man <laughs> no i mean yeah art has to come from a place of truth right yes. uh, comedy has to come from a place of truth if you really want it to work well i mean it could be conceptual but it still has to come from some place that's true character situation um yeah i don't know we've all i mean yeah i mean we can't separate it just we don't create in a vacuum we don't make comedy in a vacuum you pull from something yeah what are we supposed to be talking about i think we've... comedy <laughs> comedy right comedy well we kind of you're talk... either laughing or you're crying yeah i mean we ta- we kind of <laughs> just talked about show business in general that's what this episode we just talked about life is about, in general. about as life. much show business as we can get from being non-real professional showbiz people <laughs> like i'm behind... <laughs> semi-professional I, I had i had four lines on h on hawaii 50 how many lines did you just have for uh magnum um it took me 15 minutes to film two lines yeah yeah and i might have more but i think they cut like the other eight that i had <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. So getting that. Yeah, I don't mind it. Like four lines, I got paid for. I think I got paid a grand for four lines. I was like, hey, man, this yep. is the worst ways to do business. Right. This is also another aspect of making a way. And you know, uh, I think it's Sidney Lumet, great film director. He's like, you know, I, I didn't really get in this industry to change the world. I just thought it'd be a nice way to make a living. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Brando, Marlon Brando. I call him Brando because you know. <laughs> All actors just were familiar with Brando. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Brand, uh, Mar- <laughs> Marlon Brando had issues with that too, like right, his being a useless existence. And he had this documentary um, where he was recording into his recorder. And I think his the closing line was like, you know, it, what we do is what we do, but maybe a person is just wandering the streets one day and he feels bad and he walks into the theater and watches one of my movies and he comes out feeling better. Like, yeah, that's, you know... That's at least we, that's what we do sometimes. You know, that's how I find meaning of it. Someone's sad, they watch my stuff, they laugh, and, you know, yep. it wasn't so bad after all. Yep. Or some people really want to just, you know, make uh, issue plays or issue, you know, films. And, yeah, that's valid too. So, yeah, come from a place of truth and uh, watch 
who you tease. I'm not gonna <laughs> These are things to learn. Yeah. 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 All right. I think I think wow. we're done. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're done. <laughs> this <laughs> you thought you came here for laughs and you just we sent you out really thinking about things because this is Kamamo House. This reminds me, uh, you know, when I was in that dramatic improv group and we came to do an improv HI show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we sent, like, it was our group's turn to do comedy. And I started off because I do like comedy. And then as our group's show, as our group's improv uh, bits continued, they got like deeper and deeper and more dramatic. And very sad. Who was in that group and again? We, uh, me, James Duggins, Diana Wan, yep. Wan, and then Di- Diane Kim, Diane Kim and yeah. Lisa Wong. That's right. So it's like they open with me, and then they close with Diana Wan and Lisa Wong, just boom, right in the field. So it's like everyone's like, "Yeah, That's just... short games. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on now?" And it's intermission. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> we'll be right back. Was <laughs> the that... audience went out so dead. I was like, oh, was that at this is funny for me. No, it was at uh, Arts. Um, arts. Okay, I remember that I was distinctly arts. because <laughs> that scene between the great Lisa and Diana, that was like a masterclass in acting. Like yeah. anyone that was there was fortunate, in my opinion, to witness that improvised dramatic scene it was so fucking good but yeah it was like a house listeners if you have a chance to see diana wan in person watch diana (laughs) wan in person just do anything she is so freaking good as a performer (laughs) yeah like we would just do improvisations in rehearsals and she's giving me full i'm really feeling this tears and like god damn this is just a warm-up yeah yeah and like I'm glad she did comedy with, um, whatchamacall, what, what'd you do? The Tempest. Yes, that's right, yeah. She dis- oh, so she funny. was so good in The Tempest <laughs> because uh, she was arriving at the same time as the character's lines, but like physically, she was just so funny and so present. Yeah. And um, <laughs> dramatically, I hope, like, oh, I wish she would just stop teaching and be, address our needs to see her yeah. and do more shows. Would, uh, you know what's funny yeah. is that uh, Annette, Annette Aronix, Annette Anga, mm-hmm. uh, she said that's what the middle school teachers told her to be. It's like all the girls needed to be like Diana Wan. What? <laughs> really? Diana Wan's a legend. Wow. I don't think she knows it because Annette was like, I remember her from middle school. She did like six straight Shakespeare monologues, <gasps> switching between six different characters. Wow. And I think when I talked to Diana, that's what got her into Harvard. Wow. And, you, and yeah. I'm just gonna blow up Diana Wan's spot right now, but like she taught, she did like a, she was in like a reggaeton group at Harvard, like bachata, wow. and all of her comedic peers at a Harvard went on to direct. I think one of them's directing that one Hades thing. I don't know what it's called. Hades Town. Yeah. Oh, she went to school with her. I don't know. Someone Rachel who Chavin. directed something in Broadway is like Diana Wan's friend. Oh, okay. I don't know. I should ask her. If you, yeah, yeah. That she's so, a great director. That yeah. if it's that person, I forgot about Diana. So yes, she hasn't acted. Watch in Diana. Anything. Everyone forgets about that. Don't don't sleep on Diana, man. No, if she's in anything. You leave your house. Yeah, and watch it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. <sighs> we might have to do this again. You know, I'm still nervous. So listeners, I'm, I have iPhone earpods in my ear, 
Yeah. And over it, I have headphones because I'm trying to record into two separate devices. I don't know if this is going to work or not. Well, let's, let's, let's check it. I think we, we clocked the gate. a good yeah. amount of stuff. Gate. I'm going to stop recording. We might have to come back and just talk about comedy. Yeah. <laughs> but I like this. I like this. All right. Okay. And, and goodbye, Kamamo House listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Brandon and Sean. been listening to Kamamo House, uh, my podcast. I feel like I said that way more times than I needed to this episode. Anyway, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to be on the podcast, email me at kamamo.house at gmail.com. Until next time, ahui ho.